Welcome to On and Off the Pitch. I'm back. Hello, everyone. How you doing? Hope you've had a good weekend. Football is back on the agenda in terms of games. Uh, week one and a bit of the new year has gone by. So hello and welcome. It's RC in the house. Lots to discuss on this humble platform. Okay. Uh, we've got points deductions, points lost and dropped, uh, games in the WSL, games in the FAWC, etc, etc, etc. But I'm going to begin with something that I've talked about recently and I'm going to say it's a bit familiar and some of us are probably really sad with the news that doesn't seem to be going away, but uh, it is what it is. They say you should never kick someone when they're down. A phrase from a bygone age, right? It may have stood for something in the world of films or movies, but in the world of football, primarily in the world of the FAWC, the Football Association's Women's Championships, this phrase holds no water, okay? Just before Christmas, up until the new year and beyond, hour by hour, minute by minute, the players, the staff, the supporters of Coventry United Women waited for some kind of communication from the FAWC, right? Or at least some indication of something happening on their Twitter handle, some acknowledgement of the pain that the players were going through, some acknowledgement of the discomfort and the time of the year in terms of the news creeping out onto the internet and social media platforms, but nothing, radio silence, absolutely nothing going on at all. Nothing arrived during the heat of the emotion, zero, right? Coventry's angel emerged through the virtual dust, blowing away fears, easing emotion and, and calming nerves, did all of those things. And for a moment, things began to look positive, right? People were smiling. And then all of a sudden, in the style of a old school Batman, there's a biff and a bang and a pow. In come the FAWC with a statement. Now, gosh, you know, you would think that's a statement of kind words. I mean, that's what you'd expect, right? People were in trouble. But the statement had all the tact and sensibility of hot vinegar being poured on an open flesh wound. It stung. Boy, did it sting, right? It was just bizarre. Coventry and their owners now have a 10-point deduction. I mean, they were on the verge of disappearing at 10 huge points to overcome. If this were not football, you'd think it was a film. You would actually think it was some kind of drama unfolding and there was going to be some dramatic ending and we'd have to hang on until the next episode, but it's not. It's real life. So imagine you're hanging on the edge of a building and then you finally find the strength to pull yourself up and then you realise that while you were hanging there, you have been issued with a £100 a day parking ticket for every day of your life. That's the kind of emotional 
kick that that statement gave to the players and the staff. And it was a shock to everyone else. I'm like thinking, seriously, this is this how you bring in the new year? Not even so much a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, but here's a 10 points deduction because you guys almost lost your job. I mean, seriously, FAWC, not cool. It's just not cool at all, period. Um, and I, for one, made a very conscious effort not to engage with your Twitter handle. Retweet, like, add anything to, because I just felt you didn't deserve the time of day. And I know that other people will. There'll be times throughout this season where they have like player of the get, um, the weekend or who's your favourite player, who scored the best goal, all of that stuff. For me, the way you entered 2022, you entered it with a bad smell, just not cool at all. And even with that, the 10 points deduction and the way that you entered it, Coventry players have held their head high. They are determined to kick on, pull together and actually overcome the disadvantage that other people have put in front of them, the hurdles that other people have placed in their way. I mean, life in itself is a struggle, right? It is a struggle. It's not easy. It's not meant to be easy. But sometimes you need a little bit of help. Sometimes. The fans are trying to help. Football podcasts are trying to help. Say kind words, promote, be positive. But boy, oh boy, oh boy, you guys, whoo. Serious, man. I, I mean, you just really know how to stick the knife in. You do. And you do it so well. It's pretty much like the Tory government, but just not as high profile. Anyway, I'm sure the fans will be saying something about the 10 points um, in the next coming weeks. I know that there is a campaign going on to have the, the points overturned. And I know that uh, Michael Mogan, MBE, uh, as of this morning, I know that the 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 uh, petition uh, to, to uh, reassess the penalty imposed on Coventry United has reached over a thousand signatures. It's as I as I look at it now. Let me refresh the page. Let me refresh the page. It's looking like one thousand five hundred people have signed. As of this moment, great stuff. So the fans are making it very clear about what they want. The fans are making it very clear about the, the level of, of support that's required. The fans, not the league. It's, it's strange how I start the pod chat with this. But it's very strange. But it is what it is. Uh, and with that said, New Year greetings to you, one and all. Say it with a smile. Um, in terms of football, COVID came along and cleaned everything up, you know, pretty much like antibiotics when you've had a bad cold and it says everything has to go. So there wasn't much happening in terms of fixtures, whether it be in the WSL or in the FAWC. But for those that did happen, um, some good news. There were some winners. There were some goals. The bad news... There were some losers. There were some goals. Uh, going through the WSL results and fixtures as they were, uh, Brighton hosted Manchester City and they lost by six goals to nil. 
Uh, Reading hosted Leicester City and uh, Reading won by a single goal. And Birmingham. Birmingham hosted Arsenal and they won by two goals to nil. And I'm, you know, thinking, wow, this is, you know, of all of the fixtures that you would never have expected that to happen, that was the one. So, but we'll we'll talk about the Brighton, the Brighton one first, Brighton and Manchester City. So a very good first half from Brighton's point of view, up to a point, you know, um, style of play, positional um, play, try to engage with the, the opponents and knowing that Manchester City are getting players back and they're, you know, almost looking like their former selves when they were, were at the top of the table. table. Uh, but Brighton's uh, defensive rock at the back started a goal, the goal scoring route, which, beca which became 6-0, uh, turning in a very good cross by um, one of the very, very talented players on Manchester City's books into their own net. And from there, it was more or less Manchester City's game to to take. And, and they took all six points, or so all six points, it's feel like six points, all, all three points by scoring six goals. Um, really, really, really good result for Manchester City. Uh, Greenwood at the back, her qualities are unquestionable. I, I, I actually like her much better at a centre-back. I, I believe that she could play anywhere. Uh, and a really, really good player for for Manchester City. From a Brighton point of view, this is not the kind of way you wanted to enter into the new year, conceding six goals. Um, league position is OK, but it's it, it will rock Brighton Rocks their confidence a little bit, knowing that you, you concede, conceded so many, but also that um, on, on two of the goals at the very least, the, the defensive uh, lack of concentration was was clearly evident and uh, um, something will, you know, have to do something about that if you're going to go and t turn around your fortunes throughout the remaining part of this season. But from a Manchester City point of view, very, very good upbeat and considering where they were before Christmas and lots of talk about the manager and players not, you know, fitting into the system and the manager not understanding the players that he had on, on his roster and, and utilising them to the best of their abilities. It's, it's, it's positive for Manchester City. And I'd say in, in a very big way, apart from the scoreline, I think in terms of the, their play and the way that they approached the game, it was very much like them of old which seems strange. It's almost like it was only a few months ago, but yeah, of, of old. Um, so very good for Manchester City. Uh, from Reading's point of view, you know, um, they didn't play well, according to, to their manager, Kelly Chambers. Uh, kind of a backs against the wall performance from them, but they score the goal and they take all three points. Uh, for Reading, it's it's been a bit of a kind of stop-start season. They haven't always had... Uh, the performances that they wanted. They didn't always get the results that they needed at the beginning of the season, a bit patchy, but they've had some good results. And this is another one. And for them, it's really key that they start 2022 in a positive way and push on where they can to secure themselves, which will probably be a, a mid-table position, considering the way things are going for other teams in the league and how uh, other teams may accumulate points uh, with the games that they've got coming up and with the big, we'll say the top three, four, five, uh, you, you know that could um, have an impact on your season going forward. So for Reading, it was very important to get the win. From Leicester's point of view, this is a weekend 
that they probably never really wanted to happen because they would never have expected that their uh, other friends that were down at the bottom of the league with them would gain some points. So that they, considering they played so well, Leicester, they had the bulk of the play, posed real threats going forward, were unable to get anything out of this game. Even a point would have really helped them at, at this point of the league, the point of the season, should I say. Um, so it's very difficult for them. And I know that I've mentioned in the previous podcast about how some of the commentators, stroke pundits, former players, talked openly about, you know, which team deserved, and the word was deserved, to stay up. Um, and that that was really, really important for them uh, and how they were going to do that. And and uh, it, was, it was key that uh, they get the results. So it didn't happen. And it now places them in a very difficult position. And despite changing manager, I don't know what that will mean for them going forward in terms of their league status and their survival. Because right now, you, you can start talking about the R word, even though it's just January, you could start to, to, to think openly about which teams are going to be relegated and, and on what they need to do. And, and Leicester, for all of their financial clout that they have behind them and the players that they have on their team, they're in a very difficult position and they could they could end up going down uh, to the championship, which would be something that they, they didn't envisage considering the, the selection of players that they have to their, um, in terms of their choice, team selection. You know, so away from them, you know, the biggest result in terms of impact, not necessarily scoreline, has to be Birmingham City's performance against Arsenal. I mean, it was really, really good. I mean, you could, I mean, it's like Birmingham pulled off the biggest upset in the league, I would say, you know, and they helped themselves in the biggest way possible. You know, uh, the stats of the story will tell their own story in terms of the possession that they had in terms of the attempts on goal but from what was on view they were very determined they were forward thinking in their play there was a desire uh, from every player and every tackle it just seemed to be you just that the determined desire to win the ball and the attitude was very much about going forward and attacking the space in front of them and not necessarily making a pass quickly because they felt they needed to. There were times that they held onto the ball and it almost gave them thinking time whilst they were on the ball so they could move the ball forward and do so in a really positive way and attack the Arsenal back line, who seemed to be at disarray, in disarray, really. They just could not cope at all. Uh, so Birmingham have placed themselves in a really good position in terms of their mood. And from that from that reference point, they hold a very positive outlook for the next few games going forward because now they can go into the next games feeling that they can at least get a point. There's some in terms of a cushion between themselves and Leicester and that will no doubt place additional pressure on Leicester uh, going forward because Leicester will probably want to go into the games and knowing what their position is, try to get the goal more than they have so have done so far this season and because of that may leave themselves more exposed to counter-attacks. Um, it's, it's a very interesting weekend in terms of both teams. Birmingham, no one expected them to get the points, but it has to, I have to say from what I saw, it was well-deserved and Arsenal, you know, 
post-Christmas, post-New Year celebration hang up. Very sluggish, very slow. Didn't have the same fluidity that we'd seen uh, them put on display leading up to them being at the top of the league. It was it was almost as if this was a, a shadow Arsenal in, in every sense of the phrase shadow. Totally, you know, bereft of ideas in terms of what they needed to do. And it was, it was, it was telling. And Birmingham, at no point could anyone say that Birmingham did not deserve that win at all. They definitely did. And um from from a Birmingham point of view, um Sari is not the word, or sorry, uh, because Sari really played very, very well and was direct and a real pain in the what's it for Arsenal. So all kudos to to Birmingham and, and their players, the management team, the fans will be giddy, happy. This is possibly a sign of what could could be for Birmingham for the rest of the season, and they can go on to do, you know, not say great things, but be comfortable in terms of where they are and, and look over their shoulder and think there is a gap, and the gap is all that's required in this eleven-team league, which we have so often wish there was more, but it is what it is. Um, Arsenal, and it's strange, one of the stats that really did stand out is that um, Birmingham had more shots overall and had more shots on target, which tells you, like, it just bonkers. Absolutely strange stats. Um, really, really strange, you know. Um, one thing I want to say, stepping away from, from Birmingham, is when I, I think about the, the Manchester City um, game where they scored six goals, you know, um, one of the stats they had is that is that they had 24 shots in the whole game and 50% of those shots were on target. So it's 12, but they only scored six. So it's almost like a, a depreciating in terms of dividend. You know, if they only if they only have 10 shots on goal, they might not score anything. It's just a really kind of strange statistic when you kind of look at it from a, a cold position once the game is over. Um, and again, I say for Reading, Natasha Dow with the first half goal, um, good for them. Uh, the winning, the winning feeling that keeps teams feeling great, and the R in Reading is for roasting others, other teams. And Leicester, the R that they're facing is well, I've said it already. Regret, not not relegation. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, so yeah, so. So that's it in terms of the WSL. COVID, COVID, COVID. We'll see what happens next week if there are games. Who knows? This this spell of uh, uh, Omicron will, will may impact games again. And who knows? The weather may change because uh, it could freeze at some point. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so I'm moving away from the... WSL, the FAWC fixtures, you know, quite a few of the fixtures were unable to go ahead. Uh, Crystal Palace, all the way from South London, South London, travelled all the way up to the north. And they spent the weekend up there, actually. I believe they travelled up on a Saturday. So they were taking this seriously. They weren't doing it on the day, well prepared. Uh, I noticed a tweet, 7pm, 7 7 Sunday night, um, Lee Nicholl from Crystal Palace, nearly home, nearly home, despite the game being called off uh, due to an unfit pitch. I mean, gosh, uh, we do not understand how many hours these players put into playing football 
whether they're semi-professional or not, or we think there's professionals, but they have lives and it's going to impact their lives and what they have to kind of give up to to contend with playing away from home and traveling um, to um, play their fixtures. It's, it's it, For me, it's kind of like, you just, you do forget sometimes, you take things for granted. Um, the, the unfortunate thing for Crystal Palace is that they're playing away again next week and they're playing Durham. You might as well have just, you know, rented space in a Novotel or Travel Lodge or something like that uh, and just based themselves up north, in the north. Um, for those travelling, uh, for, for those football players travelling uh, to away grounds, take a good book, Kindle. Yeah, good, do that. Uh, for the fixtures that did take place, um, that did take place, and there were just a handful of them, literally, uh, Liverpool showed no mercy at all to their opponents, Blackburn Rovers, unleashing a fury of goals to none in their away game. So Liverpool go away from home and they score six, and they score six comfortably, comfortably. Uh, they are They have a really strong hold on the championship right now. They are the team that's in the, the the seat, the seat of control, the seat of power. They are the captain of this vessel. And, you know, they hold the inside track, all of the phrases that you think of, and we'll feel it is down to the chasing pack to kind of close the gap. But they can also feel confident about the, the teams that are behind them because they'll feel that the pressure is on the other teams that are chasing to get close and make this a really interesting race in terms of who will be promoted from the championship. And when you're part of the chasing pack in football, you have to make sure that you're totally focused every single minute and every player is on board, even if the players are not part of the first team squad or they're not on the pitch when the game kicks off. Liverpool have demonstrated that quite consistently this season. And it, it's it's clear to see why they are uh, uh, sitting on the top of the league. They're handling the pressure extremely well. They are able to compartmentalise. Players seem to know what they need to do. And yeah, you know, they deserve to be there. Um, in terms of the goal scorers, a second half hat-trick from Kennan and two from Furness illustrate how ruthless they are. You know, they are instinctive killers in on the pitch and they are, they can definitely feel bullish this week, Liverpool. They can feel confident about their position and about their style of play. And I, I have a, a feeling that they can go, they're going into every game saying to themselves, we're winning this regardless of who we're playing. We're taking all three points and we're going to score goals. Um, so, you know, top, top marks to, to Liverpool. Uh, many months ago, it could have been maybe two, um, I did a little pod chat and talked about, you know, jokingly about who would be the first to score 10 league goals. Well, thank you, Craig, for reminding me of this because I had almost forgotten. Um, and Leanne Kernan, who scored that trick, um, and now got ton, apparently 10 league goals. Uh, and um, you can see why. Liverpool are on top. And what I will say uh, about Kernan is hat-trick. The first goal, apart from 
the actual strike on, on goal towards goal, which is absolutely fantastic. It's a phenomenal strike, you know. But she had no right to get that ball from the defender because the defender really should have, you know, you know, put that ball out for a corner, put it out for a throw. But her determination to not only let the defender not feel too comfortable to dispossess her, but also have the composure to, you know, take a couple of touches, but also unleash a shot with accuracy uh, uh, in such a way to score such a really good goal. Uh, you know, to start off the, the new year, the new second part of the season, should I say, with with such a goal is 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 a fantastic, it's a fantastic thing. Uh, so all, I mean, salute. Salute you, you know, top marks and Liverpool fans will be supremely happy with their number nine. You know, Liverpool do have a thing about strikers. I mean, I'm talking about Liverpool men's team, but you know, if Liverpool women have got a number nine who's who's scoring goals like that, you know, good luck. All the best. Uh on the other fixture, um, which which survived, um, Charlton and Sheffield um, entertained one another. Charlton were at home, Sheffield travelled, and this ended up with no goals, plenty of effort, and uh, that's about it. In terms of the result, uh, it doesn't necessarily help both teams, but it will probably help Charlton a little bit more because it still keeps them close to the top five, four teams that are above them. And, you know, there's still a possibility that things can happen you know, games could be lost, positions shift, etc. And as I've mentioned already, that Liverpool, you know, are looking at the chasing pack to see who is consistent enough to close the gap and see where those other teams trip up. So for Charlton, maybe not the, the three points that they wanted and required, but it's a good point. They didn't lose, um, but they would have obviously been happier with three points. If you're the home team, you're always expecting to win. It's just the thing. Uh, from, you know, in terms of Sheffield United, they I think they lost a little bit of their mojo. They need to find their mojo again. You know, they they started really well. They had good games, good performances, and they're a good team. And they just seem to have gone off the boil. They've slipped a little bit, you know, in terms of you know, the points where they are. They are not where I thought they would be. But, you know, hey, I said the same thing about Coventry. And, you know, look at that. And I said the same thing about Leicester. And, you know, what do I know? I'm just some guy who goes to watch football. Uh, so from, from Sheffield, they will actually hope to kick on from, from this game and actually put some points on the board that actually demonstrate how good they are as a team. They put the effort in, they move the ball well. They have um, very talented players in defence, midfield, and up front, you know, hardworking, um, good manager but just hasn't clicked the way that they would have wanted it. And maybe, you know, with the arrival of new players in the summer, it's still taking time for them to bed in, but also with some of the injuries that they've had. So the cohesion isn't necessarily, you know, where it should be from, from the player's point of view and the management's point of view. But, you know, I, I, have, a, um, I have confidence that they will move up the table. And saying that now, that'll probably mean that they're going to lose the next three games. But it's not my fault. Um, so, you know, that is that is it in terms of uh, the football fixtures this weekend. It has been, it has been scarce. Uh, COVID has killed the games. 
temperature-wise, kill the games. Um, and we'll see what happens. We, we, we will see what happens in the next weekend of football, whether or not games go ahead, who can accrue points and pick up um, momentum going forward in, in the second part of this season. Um, and I'm just going to actually pause for a moment and come back to you with this, which is totally nothing to do with women's football. Okay, so um, generally, you know, football is seen as a vehicle um, that can bring about change, you know, highlight issues, um, you know, support programs beyond the football ground in terms of the community, etc. And we know this. Um, we've seen many, many things um, being discussed from, you know, bringing back standing to soup kitchens, helping the homeless, etc. You know, but this weekend, really big campaign about um, knife crime and the impact of knife crime and how that's having a, it is a, an epidemic, a crisis um, that's happening. And some will say, oh, it's predominantly London, but, you know, knife crime happens everywhere. It's just what's shown on the news, which is always the driving force in terms of um, uh, popular opinion and, and how you have the conversation. Needless to say, this is the campaign that I'm going to talk about, and it's no more red. Um, the campaign headed up by Idris Elba and Ian Wright highlighting knife crime crisis in the UK, not just about London, but I think it's in the UK. And much of what um, Idris shared and Ian shared during the FA Cup game at the weekend uh, are well-known facts. You know, there are issues where youth clubs have been closed down because of government funding. Let's not be fooled about, let's not hear it about local authority because local authority are a subsidiarity in terms of local um, central government. They get their funding from somewhere and they get their funding from central government who, as we know, are too busy having Christmas parties, garden parties, party parties to worry about anything that's going on in their local neighbourhood or maybe their local neighbourhood is actually hosting the party party. Uh, so the normal red... Idris Elba, um, Ian Wright, well-known facts about the lack of amenities, the lack of vision in terms of the visual um, um, scope that football has and, and what's shown to young people in their community in terms of heroes. And we talk about football and heroes all the time, what that means. And there is a, a section of facts that have been blatantly hidden by the politicians and totally ignored by the media as to what is happening because you, you take things away. Um, and you, let's be honest, the topic of the day right now is, is garden parties and what people were doing when people were having a garden party, when people were living in tower blocks and they were in hassle because they were playing on that small strip of grass that had no ball games, because you weren't allowed to go and meet up with your friend in the park and do press-ups or squats or whatever it is, or play rounders or tennis or pat ball or whatever it was, you were being hassled because you wanted to use the green space in your local area. So all of these things are known. It's not It's not a secret. It's not a secret. So the No More Red campaign is really good. It's highlighting the deficiencies in our community, the deficiencies in our society. And as a foot, as, as football is seen as a, um, uh, an agent of change within our communities, social change, etc., economic change, 
well-being, mental health, you name it, it's there. Um, what they are trying to do with this is, is, is actually bring attention to something that is very, very, very important about saving the lives of people, saving the grief that families go through, preventing that from happening. So No More Red, a really good campaign and, and, and a discussion. And as much as I like to say that I want to talk about, you know, football clubs that might uh, collapse and what the fans need to do in the FA, there is something beyond the world of football and it's called life for everyone else. Um, and no one can say that footballers and football hasn't tried its best in the last two years to deal with social issues ranging from Marcus Rashford chasing the government to feed kids during the summer holiday. Some of the, the, those families are on free school meals, chasing the government to change their mind on a number of things. And this is another area that I think is, is, is a really worthwhile cause because, you know, it impacts everyone. Even though people think it doesn't, it does. It really does. Um, and I know people still say it doesn't. Um, but, you know, everyone loves Ian Wright and everyone loves Idris Elba. And if they say it's important, then it is important. You know, and people will think, oh, what are you talking about? They're not important, but they are important. It's football. Football heretics, no. Football role models, yes. That's what we're talking about. Um, so it, that, for me, is, it's like, I think it's a really big thing, you know. And I, my, my world has always been in the world of education where I'm helping others. And I think that any, any kind of campaign aimed at helping people uh, improve their lot, improve their life and give them hope and provide um, a safe space is a good thing. You know, football is about providing safe spaces. Football is meant to be a safe space. So if football or the football environment and football family are meant to be about offering safe spaces, then I don't think this is too bad a campaign to be involved in. It offers hope in the, uh, for those that haven't got any, and it could be regarded as a dream enabler. That's what football is. It's enabling people to fulfill their dreams, uh, make their dreams into reality. Uh, but there has to be real work to acknowledge that there is a crisis and there is a crisis and something needs to happen. And um, again, as I've already mentioned, maybe all of the green spaces that we take for granted in London, in Birmingham, in Manchester, in Newcastle, imagine your local council, your municipal council said, hey, we're going to take all of those green spaces that young people play on and we're going to turn them into luxury facts because we need to make this happen. And you change everything and all of the areas that young people would go to gravitate and play football. You know, everyone says jumpers for goalposts. And that was a thing, right? Not really now. So it might have something to do with it. Thinking about what's not available, what has been removed and what is left. And if you keep take, 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 take and you don't provide then there's going to be a reaction. There's always a reaction. Some people will say there shouldn't be a reaction, but there is, you know. Just imagine if no one could go to a garden party. Just saying. Uh, so in terms of the no more red, you know, one thing is for sure, when it comes to football uh, providing hope, football is about supporting mental health. It is about supporting and encouraging aspirations. It is about enabling hope it is about um, turning dreams into reality it is about making things accessible it is about making things 
um, um, welcoming. It is about ensuring that there is a, an open policy for those that are in need of support. This is the ingredients of a balanced society, a, a caring society. Football regularly says this is what it is, the football family. Well, here it is, something to care about. It's a much needed campaign, much needed. And this platform supports it wholeheartedly, 100%. That's it. This is On and Off the Pitch. I am Rodney Cyrus, and I'll see you later.